Welcome back to A Fine Time for Healing, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. How did two people live at living 750 miles apart end up meeting in this life, not just once, but twice? Then it all started with a simple question. Do you want to try meditation? And wait till you hear what happened. Today we have with us Dr. David Bettenhausen, who um, he serves part-time as the Vice President of Medical Affairs at a small Midwestern hospital presently. And he's retired after 25 years as a physician um, and 10 previous years as a cardiac surgical nurse. And Carla Bogney Kidd is also retired after 40 years of office managing for Dave and his predecessors. Well, welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you. Great to meet you, Randy. Okay. So you had an office, David, and Correct. Carla was your assistant or office manager. Mm-hmm. Correct. You were going through some, you were kind of in a funk. You weren't really yourself. And Carla came up with this idea. Why don't we start meditating in the morning as an office? And you agreed. And so you started that and lo and behold, you began channeling lots of information. And you met your spirit guide, Carla met hers and this proceeded and the stories that you tell are incredible. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But um, first, I wanted to ask you what I noticed is, you know, this book is largely about reincarnation and how we live many lives. Yes. And how we really repeat the same, uh, we come back with the same people over and over in, in many different roles. So what I noticed is that you both were, came back as the same gender in every correct. case. Mm-hmm. Correct. And is that typical? Is that, is that the way it is? Because I thought we kind of try out everything through the years. So Randy, I'll say that that's probably not 100% typical. I think we do stay the same sex more often than not. It seems to be more rare to find people who have lived both sexes, though your point is really good because we found that we've all lived as paupers and rich and kings and servants and slaves and slave owners. We've been black and white and in many different religions when we've looked back at our past lives. So I think we do live on both sides of all of most of the issues. Um, However, even even doing training with Dr. Weiss that we talked about with you a little before, and in our own experience, we still find people that are mostly in the same sex, most of the time, Though we find people that certainly have had experiences in, in the past where they were abused and then they might be the opposite sex in the future or and they might be the abuser in the future because again they're they're living that both sides Um, something you told us earlier you know i suppose if if you have experienced a life where you were controlled by a narcissist i don't know if you're going to come back as the narcissist but we found people that that have like been alcoholic and then they've come back in a family of alcoholism so that they will now see what it's like to have an alcoholic father and then they're trying to break the next cycle and not be an alcoholic or they do become alcoholic because they have an alcoholic father and then they're putting their child through that because somewhere along the line someone has to break the cycle so i think those are interesting facts that you're, you're picking up just from reading our book Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
so this all you all kind of had this revelation when you david found out that your mother had two miscarriages before you right correct correct and those miscarriages turned out to be carla correct mother, right and correct. carla's mother had two miscarriages <clears throat> And they turned out to be your soul, David. Correct. So you're, so let's go back and say, okay, so you met many years ago, just by happenstance. And then Carly, you ended up working in David's office. And, yes. but you didn't really know that you had any connection. Did you feel a connection? Um, from the very beginning, we were like brother and sister, um, immediately. In fact, there's a picture right after we met, um, of Dave and I were at, we had a bunch of family members over for one of the holidays and we're joking back and forth and Dave turns and I stick my tongue out at him yeah, it's a, it's and a somebody picture. took a picture. <laughs> we felt comfortable enough right off the bat to do that. So yeah, it, we felt that we just thought. Oh, he's a nice guy, you know. And she's been like the, you know, I've retired from the, the full-time office, but she's been, yes, more than the office manager. Best friend, most supportive person I've ever yeah. known. I mean, I stood up for him at his second wedding um, in Jamaica. Yeah. And, you know, I told you so not to do that, but. <laughs> but she was supportive anyway. <laughs> yeah, but we went anyway for the trip. <laughs> That's just awesome. Okay. Um, Dave, you met your spirit guide. Her name is Isabella. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. So Isabella's been in your ear for quite a while now, kind right. of guiding you, giving you all this information. Um, and did, how does she come through to you? Do you hear her? Okay, I, I tell people I hear her, but that's not exactly true. And even early on, Isabella would tell me, try to confirm, like repeat back to me what you think I'm, I'm doing because the communication is not exact. It's not perfect. It's more uh, like a feeling. It's, yeah, so I usually say it's more like a feeling. I, okay. I, I, mm -hmm. It's like I feel her presence. I know what she's trying to tell me. I get a picture of it. I put it into words, try to repeat it back to her, and then tell Carla that she agrees that I'm saying the right thing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because it's it's it, it's a it's a buzz feeling. It's like I can think her words. Okay. But I don't hear her words. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm really good at repeating everything back and us documenting that way because we'll give you a good example. On our fourth book, Isabella was trying to tell him about a turnip. And she was showing him <laughs> a turnip. And it was actually, we Dave thought it was a potato. <laughs> I said to Dave, how can you think a potato looks like a turnip? Turnips have a little point, mm -hmm. almost like a radish, and potatoes don't. So he's gotten to the point where he always confirms back everything that she gives him to make sure we're not, he's not misinterpreting yeah. it. I mean, turnip's a root vegetable. I mean, if I think. <laughs> One, they're all the same. Okay. Close enough. Right. Yeah. And yet the details of the lives that you've lived, each of you is so clear and easy to understand. So did it take a while before you got all this information right about what actually happened? Because you go back how many, how many years? Over 6,000. Over 6,000, yeah. So, yeah. So it, I think what you're asking is there is a difference between talking to Isabel and having her help us understand things and the past life memory, which is incredibly vivid for me. Mm. Okay. Um, and, and 
I know this is hard for people to even understand, but it's almost like I start a, a ticker tape thing and I flip back and I flip back, I flip back and suddenly, oh, that's the spot I'm trying to recognize. And then I watch the movie and then as I'm watching the movie, I'm part of the movie. And so it literally feels like I'm experiencing it. And I think the moment that was the most, still I find the most amazing that ever happened was a, I was came back and was telling Carla the story and I'm standing in front of her and I want her to, to just really listen and understand. And I'm trying to tell her the memory and I literally feel like I become the character of J.J. Wright. And I'm speaking directly to Ruby and we can tell the listeners about that story. But I'm telling her directly about Ruby and she becomes Ruby in my eyes. And then Ruby starts to answer the question or Carla starts to answer the question just like Ruby did on the day. And we were having the same memory at the same time from 1925. Carla, had you had these experiences before? Not like this. We had never had that experience before. Carla had done some, we, we were writing everything down that happened to me. So, you know, I had memories and I told Carla about the memories. And then there were times Carla was sitting down with a pen and we didn't know, but she was sort of facilitating the memory, almost like past life regression. It was like I was regressing him, but we didn't realize at that point, we hadn't trained yet with Dr. Weiss. We didn't realize that that's what I was doing. And he was able to flip right back into that. And and some of those times, I literally became the person. Um, as a seven-year-old boy, I started to stutter, telling the story. Wow. And... Carla stopped it during the middle because she was like, I was so upset. I taped it actually while he was talking. Yeah. And then she was playing it back and I'm this little boy going, just, 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 just get, to get it out. And it was kind of scary. Mm. Um, now, then we had a time and I'd become more seriously British sounding. You know, it's like a, a voice that's almost deeper than my real voice. Um, a time when I have a strange accent, but it's but I, I seem to do it in, in English. And I know Dr. Weiss has had some people actually speak a foreign language, which I really haven't done. Most of the time, if there's been foreign words that we didn't understand, Isabella came back and tried to explain it to us that the word didn't really have a, a, a way to translate it. Okay. I know that sounds strange. I'll, I'll give you an example. The first life 6,000 years ago, the term of Ahav and Ahave came up over and over again. And it it was to love and to give lovingly, which without expectation, without any expectation, which is a Hebrew word combination. Well, ahava, really... ahava is love, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we didn't really understand, and Isabella was trying to tell that, that you're using that because that's the, the Hebrew term. Then we started looking it up, trying to figure out what that meant. Wow. And, you know, and it wasn't just the two of you that intersected through this these 6,000 years. It was your sister... Carla and other people, your friend, Dave, and yep. Um, yep. just you all interacted in, in very different ways, but you lived many, many, how many lives were you together? 29. Together. Now, it's interesting in those 29, and this might also address that thing that you talked about. Carla's been a love interest many times. She's also been my mother a couple times my sister, a friend, someone I met for a period of time that went off. Next door neighbor. Yeah, next door neighbor. And so it hasn't always been a love interest, but it's been some sort of close interest. Yeah. Do you feel like this is the last life? Do you feel like you've now completed it? Mm -hmm. 
if we only knew that we graduated because this yes. week I would, I've been very naughty. I have a very <laughs> narcissistic friend who I've been dealing with all week. Mm. Um, yes. And I, yeah. oh, some of my actions, I, I, you know, Dave is Mr. Perfect. I'm sure he's done this time. I don't know that anybody's I don't know about perfect, me. but Yes. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you that people um, who deal with narcissists generally will be very hard on themselves at the way that they behave. But the difference is, this is not your personality. This is a solicited reaction. Yes. It's different. Okay. That's true. That's Don't true. Don't take responsibility for that because the narcissist will work to solicit that from you. That's yes. what they want. And so you hold back and hold back and hold back and then you blow because. Oh, I did. <laughs> okay. That doesn't mean you're naughty. That means you're human. Okay. Correct. Yes, okay. absolutely. Mm -hmm. This is a good question, Randy. I know we're, we're slightly off the topic. Sure. But I think the narcissistic personality now knows that she can't bully Carla and she sort of disappeared because she doesn't have any power at this moment. Right, yeah. and you're not giving her what she wants, which is narcissistic supply. Before you really understand who they are, then you sort of, um, you sort of adjust yourself to their needs. You give up yours and you adjust yourself to their needs and then, uh, but when you realize it and you stop giving them anything, you become useless, worthless to them. Yeah. They go yeah. away. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean she won't pop back in at some point because they do that. But she knows, and all you have to do is just reassert what you've asserted at this point. Yes. Um, but generally, yeah, if you've stopped giving her supplies, she's gone. Okay. Um, you talk about uh, how spirit guides are assigned and you say God's careful joining of souls with their spirit guides started in the beginning. Each soul was matched to a spirit guide who complements his or her already present qualities. For example, a soul with a strong personality may be matched with a spirit guide who is rather quiet and easygoing and, and vice versa. <laughs> okay. Yeah, correct. For so, sure. Okay. I've been told um, by people who have had uh, similar experiences or have had near-death experiences or can channel mediums, so forth and so on, that we have more than one spirit guide. So you talk about one. What is So what is the difference? Okay. So in the, in the big picture, you can have other spirit guides and certainly other angels that communicate with you at various times. However, there is a specific connection between God, your spirit guide, and you that is tethered to the point where some people will call that spirit guide their higher self because they only see this person, this entity that connects them to, to the divine, if you want to say that. Okay. I don't always like to say God because people get offended, offended by various issues. Exactly. But Certainly, you can have people from your past lives connect it with you, and they may be done in the next world. So people will consider them a spirit guide. They'll say, my mother is my spirit guide now. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the mother is communicating with them, but hasn't been with them from the beginning. From the millennium, right. From the whole yeah. time. Exactly. Whole so, time. You have, so you have one that's been with you from the beginning of time. Yes. Correct. I do have, I have a soul guide that helps me not only transition over when I die, also is sort of the spirit guide that taught me how to look at past lives. Kind of took me on that journey to start with, which is a little different than Isabella, who's been mostly if you want to call Isabella a life coach, you could say Isabella is more of a life coach. Well, the, the main difference is your spirit guide has never lived a life. Right. Your other Correct. guides have had lives. Correct. Right. Okay. 
um, this is about as far from anything you would have ever imagined, both of you, really. Um, this is not something that, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, like I was saying, you know, I've been into metaphysics and spiritual stuff forever. And mm -hmm. I doubt I would ever have, you know, any kind of big thing like this because they don't have to. They've already knocked on my head. I've already woken up <laughs> and I understand it. So, right. but, but I know um, with other mediums that I've talked to that they usually will choose someone who is very disciplined in getting the word out. So generally, it's someone who is as far from this woo-woo stuff as you could imagine, but they know you're going to take this very seriously and get the word out. Was that the case, you think, with you? I, I think so. And I think it's interesting because as a couple, first of all, we both were raised Catholic, but Carla was always open-minded to all sorts of spiritual things. Um, I was raised Catholic in a good little Catholic boy. And when this happened, my thoughts were, you know, Carla said, do you want to try meditation or go to a counselor? And I said, well, I'll try meditation. I thought, well, maybe I should have gone to a counselor because apparently I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm having an experience that should not happen. And no, we, it should happen. It should happen. Correct. You know, but it was against where, the way I grew up. And so, even part of our journey was doing research on religion, reincarnation, everything to see if there was more out there that I could find that would make my experience fit into something that even fit into the science that I knew, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, it's interesting that it, you know, I found things like during meditation, during hypnosis, during the time and wake and sleep, we actually have increase in alpha and theta waves in the brain. And when alpha and theta waves increase in the brain, it actually is a sign that you're looking at a memory. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, so during meditation, maybe I'm actually am seeing a memory. Hmm. You know, and if this memory is part of your subconscious, I tried to do some some work on subconscious issues. And we have a modular theory that works in our brain that actually locates and places in little modules all throughout your brain whenever there's a positive or negative experience. And it records that. And part of how we make decisions is that these positive and negative experiences we have add up and it lets us kind of shortcut part of the things. Mm -hmm. But they're always in a positive or negative spot in your brain. And then you start to look at things that happen in this life. So the first time you touch something that's hot, it burns you. The second time you touch something hot, even if you did it when you were two, your body remembers it and you pull back faster. Then the subconscious starts to become something that protects you. And with reincarnation, you realize that hypnosis is, is looking at the subconscious and it's looking at subconsciousness for this life and many lives, because it's trying to protect you. So we have something there that matched the science that kind of fit with what I was experiencing and learning. And I thought, okay, so there is some science here that might fit this, let alone when you start talking about consciousness and does it exist before and after, you know, it wasn't hard to believe that reincarnation exists if you believe that someday your soul is still here, you know, which is a religious thought. But as you start looking at it, you and you start re reading even religious history, you find that the Jewish people have always had a small kind of reincarnation. Early Christianity, the first early Christian writers included reincarnation because it was something that was normal for the Jewish people at the time. Uh, Origen, who wrote most of the first early church doctrine in about 200 AD, 
said that the soul existed before your first birth, after your, your, your death, and could possibly return with transmigration of the soul. Now, he's an early church writer. Now, it's true that 200 years after his death, the church excommunicated him because it didn't match the story. Right. If you get re if reincarnation, exists, you get another chance, then the atoning death of Jesus doesn't have as much value. Then you then they have no power okay, so over you. They have they have no control over you. Right. They lose control. Right. Right. So, you know, and, and you also, can't pay for and also um, connection with spirit is considered dabbling with the devil, right? In in many religions. Yes. Right? Oh, yes. Correct. Mm -hmm. But you know what's interesting with that? Almost the entire Christian doctrine is written based on letters from Paul who had never met Jesus, who had a spiritual connection. Supposedly. And a memory of Jesus on the road to Damascus. Mm. But it was in his head. Okay. And, and it wasn't, so he had a spiritual experience that you would call sort of like the spiritual experiences that have I had. And yet when he wrote it in the Acts of the Apostles and the letters of Paul and all of those things, that's how the entire church was written. Though mm. so the Old Testament says that dealing with the dead is wrong and or speaking to the dead is wrong however in the old testament samuel speaks to solomon all right so we have the old testament dead people speaking to live people which is just more confirmation that the bible is just a series of stories yes it's, it's the a, biggest it's, phone game yeah so the, the story has been written for a long time mm -hmm. it becomes a phone game i start to like to believe that you should Read the Bible as the way of an ancient people trying to study and discuss the divine based on their experience. It's a guide. You know, there's some divine principle, something greater than us that exists. Mm -hmm. They were trying to explore it, and they wrote it down over thousands of years. Right. Still written by man and i know that makes people angry because everybody says that this is inspired and maybe part of the story is inspired doesn't make me angry and the story i completely believe what you're saying yeah mm -hmm. you, know, you know and so it is you know and human perspective everybody has a different perspective and so no story is going to be the same told by two different two people and you know there's right. so many variables um, like for instance, Abraham, you know, they, they said how old Sarah was when she get, had her first, you know, baby, she was like 90 some years that, you know, yeah. you have to take that with uh, a grain of salt no. because it was, yes. she had to be younger. That, that would not have happened. Right? Yes. Yeah. Now she may have been past her prime, right? You know, that could, that would so be, maybe she was 40. Maybe she yes. was 40, which is pretty old yes. at the time because people didn't live very long. And it would be unlikely. But, you know, to say suddenly she's 90 and he's 200 and they live for 400 more years. Right. It's not a practical story. No. No. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. You... Um, the one question I want to ask you is, do we have free will as to whether or not we're going to come back and do this again? Okay, Randy. So I'm going to, we'll try to talk about that a little. And so I want you to think about all the people that you know that have had a near-death experience. 90% of them say they don't want to come back, but they had to. Okay. I'm also going to say that many times you could be asked to come back and you won't want to. Okay. Because once you get to the place where you've fulfilled all the details and, and all of, and learned all the lessons that you're supposed to learn, you're going to get to a point where they're going to tell you you're done. Isabella says that we reached the point one time where we were both done. 
and we were asked to come back because others still have needs and the goal of everything is for everyone to return home. And she says, try to imagine telling the divine or God, no, if you're asked to go back. Okay. It's, and if, if the experience is one of full love, comfort, without needs, without wants, no one of us would ever want to come back because life would be without wants, without needs, we can't suffer. And part of the experience of life is suffering and overcoming and learning. Right. And so right. until you've learned all those things, I don't think you can avoid coming back. Okay. And you don't have to suffer. It's if you choose to suffer. Right. Because right. I don't want to come oh. back. <laughs> neither do we. neither do we 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 hope we all graduate right you know we, right you know i we've had you know i've had my hip replaced and i got a bad back that hurts today okay and it's valve replaced and my heart know, valve replaced kind of and, and yeah, you know so I'm, I'm putting pieces back together to keep me going for a little longer yeah because i want to be living this life as comfortable as i possibly can okay <laughs> right right it's like when i when i um come upon any challenge in my life i'm like i'm doing it because i don't want to have to come back and do this another time so that's kind of the way i look exactly. at exactly i just i keep do pushing well. forward yes right. do it well do it now. I'm going to do it now. Um, yes. Yeah. Randy, this, this is another good point uh, because we interact with a lot of people. And when we interact with these people, sometimes their approach is, well, if there's a God, the God must be horrible because we have to live through all these experiences. You know, you know, and I and I say, well, the first answer to that is the human being and the human soul feels successful when it overcomes mm -hmm. so there's value in everything that you learn the second part of that is you may have induced this lesson on yourself through karma exactly because you were that person that you're now experiencing and so you're experiencing the other side because you can't truly love and can't truly be compassionate until you've experienced both sides. Right. Until you lived it, how can you truly understand what they're going through? Right. So you have to live many experiences on both sides to understand this. Right. Uh, we, have, we have a series of lives that's interesting because we're in war as Vikings against the Scot Scotland and then we're Scottish against England, then we're England against Scottish. And they come in right after each other. And in the next life, Carl is Viking marrying, marrying into the Scottish throne. English. English throne. Yeah. And we realized that sometimes our families, our relatives, or us were actually fighting on the same, the opposite side of the same war. Yeah. Until you realize that. In nobody's war, right. nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. Everybody's right and wrong. Everybody thinks they're right, but nobody is right and nobody's wrong. Hmm. It's a matter of perspective. And if, until you've lived both perspectives, how do you understand it? Do you have any memory of your transition from yes. the physical world to the spiritual world? You do? I do. Okay. It's a it's relatively dramatic. I, uh, but don't I, scare people by saying that. Okay, it's they, uh, I won't say it's scary. It wasn't right. scary at all. Right. It was. It was exciting. It was. Uh, it was the unknown. First of all. Yeah. The first time was again. We mentioned a little bit about the Ruby and JJ story. When I got to the very end of the Ruby and JJ story, maybe the fourth or fifth time. And the light started, I saw a light up in the sky and then it started to darken. And I realized it was raining and that I was laying in blood because I was shot. And then everything went dark. And what I remembered was the hand of a little black girl reaching down and taking my hand and pulling me up. And suddenly I saw two golden wings and I was pulled throughout time, space 
and eternity in moments and things were flashing and I was moving at the speed greater than any speed, yet no time mattered. And I moved to a point where I was confused, I didn't know what was happening until I finally recognized people I knew were around me and were talking to me and protecting me. And I sat through a council of what I'll call elders, people that I had experienced in the past life who were done, who took me through a past life review and told me things that I had done wrong and why I had done them wrong. Negatively. And, yes, negatively. Right. And that I had to live part of the experience that other people experienced that I felt. put them through, how they yeah. felt. That's the life An review. example life is, review. Yeah. so you might, you might realize in war you killed this person and it didn't seem personal when you killed the person mm -hmm. until you experienced mm -hmm. the sorrow of their wife and children. Right. And that make that so they had you experience the sorrow of the wife and children so that you understood that this action that you thought was right had consequences that were different for that person who thought it was right, but they lost mm -hmm. connections, people, loved ones, pain, sorrow, grief. Right. And until you realize those things, it's hard to ask yourself, I'm doing this action. What are the consequences of my action? Because you need to be, become responsible for the consequences of action. And Isabella taught us five simple rules uh, that we include in our book. But it's live without conceit, selfishness, jealousy, and unforgiveness, and make all decisions out of love. And that's sort of the secret of how you're going to go through this life and move yourself toward, a, toward the time when you're done. Because a conceited decision, it doesn't have to be, I, I think I'm cute. It could be that I'm making a decision that's only based on my well-being my well -being, and I'm not considering other people's well-being. Or it might be, why do they get to drive the Mercedes Benz and I'm driving a Ford? Right. That's the jealousy issue. It's, it's not horrible, but it's, it's, the, it's the change in your mindset well, the Ford gets me to work just fine. And if everybody realizes that we've all been rich and poor, saints and sinners, black and white, some male, some female, we've all had our turn. So there's no reason to be jealous of somebody that has more than us. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't think of karma as mm -hmm. a punishment. We should think of it as potential, potential to be better. And one of the things that Dave should explain further is the reason he got confused when he was transitioning is because you lose your five senses and because we're going back to that telepathic world. So there's a short period of time that you're not certain of what's going on. And then you transition back and it's, you know, we always learn when someone dies that those three days are important. You know, everybody gives you three days off uh, when your family member dies. Well, the three days are, is the time that it takes for you to transition when you sit in atonement and some of your loved ones come to you they try to make the, you feel better and then after the three days you go before your counsel so it's not really scary it's just that you don't know what's going on and then pretty soon after the three days you remember that oh okay i've done this before i remember okay yeah it's, a, really, it's an interesting really process I'm really glad that you um, you talked about the life review, and I just kind of, I wanted to verify that because this is something I hear a, lo a lot, and it's an answer that I give people because <laughs> I deal with people who have been severely abused emotionally, psychologically, not always physically, but mind-wise, and they have this um, this need to want the narcissist to pay for what they've done. And they ask me, will they ever be accountable for it? And I say, not in this life. But when they have their life review, and that's when it's going to matter. Mm -hmm. You know, and so yes. correct. 
you know, this is what I've heard. And, um, and that's what I believe. I believe they're going to get away with it in this life, but you don't get away with it ultimately. Right. Correct. Well, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I'm the youngest of six girls and my father was this, you know, typical, sorry people, if this offends you, but you know, everybody gets offended over something. My father was the typical Italian man. You know, they make all the rules, they run the household, but he was never there. He was very absent father. And interestingly that he has come back as um, a woman this time. And I'm sure that he's going to see what it's like to be a female and be ignored see what how important it is to have your father mm -hmm. in your life as a female um he will learn and you know so it's not always so black and white you shoot you get shot um you know sometimes mm -hmm. it's just this way because he'll see what it's like but he's also in a because we know i know who he's with he's with a very very loving family and his mother in this life wasn't terribly loving. Uh, it was, uh, they were all Italian, three sisters married, three brothers. It, they were arranged marriages, came over from Italy and she was in love with somebody else. So when she had, when she married my grandfather, she was never happy and she made no bones about it. She let everybody know how, how unhappy she was, including her boys. So the boys didn't have a positive mother role. And so my father had no respect for my mother or any of us. You know, so sometimes it's it's just very simple. He's going to learn this time. He turned around very quickly and came back. So sometimes it can be hundreds of years that we before we reincarnate, and sometimes Correct. it's very quick. What Correct. dictates that? Okay, there's a there's a a whole set of things that sort of dictate that. If you want to. Think of these, all of these people are on various cycles. That's why you don't return with the same people every time okay. because certainly you die at different times and, it, and you have to go through an atonement period. But if your time, I kind of say it this way, it, it's a little more complicated than this. There is an entire rotating matrix that exists, at least in my mind, as I've seen what Isabella shows us this picture. And you return to an area that could be at a time when you could reincarnate, you actually go through a sort of a birth canal that out of the matrix that all of the souls are living in to end up in the birth canal of your mother. And so the time has to line up so that your soul is ready to come when the, when the matrix is available and it lines you up so that your birth happens. And if those people that are supposed to be returning with you because you have lessons to deal with them are also in that same cycle, then you'll start to be born together again. Hmm. But if they're not there, it may bypass you until you rotate through and all of you are on the same cycle and can return again. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about Ruby and... Uh... JJ, is that what it is? Sure. Ruby and JJ. All right. This is absolutely fascinating. All right. So let's talk about the story about how you met, what the situation was, and then we'll get into the Ruby. Car oh, our first time we met? Yeah, when Here? you met, when Ruby and, yes, when you first oh, met, okay. how, what was that story? Okay. We'll, we'll tell you the Ruby story. So, I was meditating and we had had various little things. We were seeing strange pictures, seeing things that we didn't know how to understand yet. Um, but we were jotting things down, trying to take notes. And the day came and I had this memory where I was standing in an alley. And it was a dark alley and I looked across the alley and there was this woman. She was a blonde with a little flap her hat on her little Man. band on her head and uh, you know the ruffled skirts and whatever fringe, fringe yep like the flapper look the typical flapper, flapper. okay she had these beautiful blue eyes and when i saw her standing in the alley and i had never stood in an alley with carla before 
I knew it was Carla. And this was like the first moment I'm like, I've never been in this alley, but I have a memory. I'm standing in an alley. I look across the alley and there is Carla. I see two large flashes. I hear two bangs. I'm hit in the chest and I realize I've been shot and I fall back and I know I'm dying. That was the first memory. The next day, I get another memory. And in this memory, I see a day that happens before that day. And I'm on a, I'm in a little car driving toward Ashland Auditorium because I'm going to a wedding of a man named Angelo on January 10th, 1925. And I, I run up the steps of Ashland Auditorium and I can see the name Ashland. Now, I didn't know there was an Ashland Auditorium when I had this memory, but we found it. Okay. It does exist. And I ran up the, the steps into a makeshift church and there was this huge crowd and I was sat with the groom's side and I watching. And the lady that I saw in the alley, the blonde comes out and she walks out and she's not dressed like a flapper. She has on this maroon or you call raspberry. it raspberry yeah, colored dress and she's the wedding singer and I'm fascinated by her and she sings the Ave Maria it's beautiful and I have to meet her and so at the reception I chase around trying to meet her and I finally talk to her she tries to blow me off two or three times she finally agrees to dance with me I find her now her name is Ruby I ask her to go to breakfast the next day. And she first says no. And as she's walking across the room, she turns and says, maybe I'll meet you at 10 at Marino's. And I'm excited and I go home and I lay out the clothes for the next day. And I get up in the next morning and I go to Marino's and I walk in the door and I sit there before 10 o'clock. And in comes this much simpler looking, blonde with a wool cap pulled down and a coat. And she sits and she orders toast and an egg. I mean, it's very detailed as I'm watching and we're talking. And after that, we just keep talking and it seems to be easy. And we go for a walk along the Chicago coast. I don't know why. Uh, it says our battery is low, but it's plugged in. We'll see. Okay. Anyway, we're walking along the, coast of the Chicago coastline, and she starts to talk to me. She tells me she moves to Chicago um, because she wants to be a dressmaker and a singer. And then um, she tells me that her name is Ruby Donaldson, born in Bullock, Georgia, and that her parents' names were James and Anna Donaldson. And so we know things now because of this. And I'm telling all these memories. And Carly, tell her what happens. Um, well, I thought, you know, that wasn't that long ago. I certainly should be able to find something. So I got onto Ancestry.com because that's what I knew. And um, I did find Ruby Donaldson, born to... James and Anna Donaldson, one of 11 children. I found some pictures um, that were based around like the census and things. And um, so I had that corroborating information. Then I got into some old newspapers from Chicago and I found the wedding of Angelo Jenna to Lucille Spinola um, on January the 10th, 1925. There was a picture of the wedding cake that served over 3,000 mobsters because we didn't know Angelo Jenna was the head honcho uh, before Al Capone. You know, unless we, unless you were a mobs, you know, mobster aficionado, we wow. didn't have idea. Um, so I called Dave and I said, I found corroborating information. You know, with what you gave me, I could find. Um, and it, it's interesting because a lot of those siblings, um, well, of course, it's not so interesting. They're part of our soul family. So a lot of my brothers and sisters, then I know now, uh, just in different capacities. Um, but Ruby's Ruby siblings, you mean? Yeah, Ruby siblings. Um, the, the younger sibling um, was my hairdresser for a time in this life. 
Um, and my older female sibling um, is, is actually, she's a, a family member. And then all of the brothers um, have been friends of ours. They, of course, they have no idea because, you know, we live in a very small town and you can't share a lot of those things. Unfortunately, because people are very close-minded, I've lost all of my family except my sister because they think we're crazy. So they're very, um, they were all raised Catholic and they believe, you know, days the devil. Yeah. So yeah. it's a shame. I'm sorry that that happens, but I understand why it does. And, um, you know, will we take, will we grow in this life by these leaps and bounds, often we have to leave a lot behind because people that's don't, so true. people don't, they don't get it, you know, and I know that's been my situation as well. Yes. Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah, it is hard, but you're, but when you know that you have this divine purpose for being here, what could be best, right? You just go for it because you know you're know. It's coming from the, the, the source. <laughs> That's right. And I mean, you know what you know. Once you know it, once it's happened, you cannot go back. You cannot ignore it. So you just have to say, I'm sorry you feel that way and, and keep going. Yeah. And connect with those people who have experiences somewhat like you. Mm -hmm. Share the experiences where you can. Get on Randy Fine's podcast so we can share part of the experience with the with some, a different group with out people there. People that listen, yes. people that listen. You know, it's and and I said, you know, earlier in the show, I said that um, I've been into these things for just decades and decades and decades, and um, I've been into metaphysics and paranormal and psychic and spiritual and all that stuff for so many years, and I was way before, way ahead of my time, you know, and. There was really before the internet there was nobody to really connect with <laughs> and i would go out to lunch or something with a group of women and i just throw out a statement you know just to see what would happen and everybody would be like they didn't know what to do with me they yeah. just gotta answer me but since i've been doing this podcast for all these years i have met such a large community of people that are like-minded yes in all these different ways and i realize there's so many of us out there. It's just hard to connect. Correct. It certainly is. And like you for years, I mean, I always knew that astrology was not nothing, but I always asked my friends what their sign was, when their birthday was. I can tell everybody's birthday because it's something that sticks with me. And then when we wrote the manual and Isabella um, just fine-tuned it for us how our astrological sign is directly related to our angels and um and our karma and our traits and our archetypes all it all made sense it all fit in and but trying to explain that to people but i would sit and say oh they're they're a pisces oh so this this, this and this well how do you know this well you know, and they don't want to believe it. Oh, that's just baloney. No, it isn't. God isn't stupid. There's lots of twelves. There's lots of plans. Mm -hmm. There, there's, you know, the universe is set up in a whole domain of logic and mathematics that wasn't invented by anybody. Just observed the logic that God used is observable. For most of us mm -hmm. and it's been observable for thousands of years and people keep trying to write down what they observe and through that we've come up with astrology you know it's not strange that um young has a whole set of archetypes and isabella gave us a whole set of archetypes and that there are people types mm -hmm. well become a people type if you need to learn certain things You'll become an astrological sign if you need to learn certain things. You know, there are traits out there that follow certain ways. And certainly, I am not the only person that needs to learn these set of lessons. So it's not strange that everybody is going through a set of lessons and they're somehow organized. They're not 
I don't organize them, Mm-mm. but there's some greater power that does. So now, I'm going to ask you, now I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, and if you don't, just tell me. Sure. But I've heard many times from you know different people that I've talked to that we don't necessarily always incarnate here. Okay, that's an interesting question, and I'm going to try to explain some of it. First of all, As far as Isabella says, this is the only current place that all of us from the time we were born till now have experienced. Okay. Okay. Now it's and is it because this universe will have to run its course before there's another one. Okay. There is. I don't know what you just said. Yeah. Oh. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay, yes, that's even different. This is, this is a big, about. big question. So, I get it. Okay. It's a big question, but yes. So the other thing is this point on Earth is actually fine-tuned to carbon-based life forms. It's called the alpha constant. It only exists here. And the alpha constant slowly changes as you go in one direction from the Earth or the other direction of the Earth, if you're talking a science category. So the life form human can only exist here. So when people tell you they have a a past life experience where they were a human somewhere else, it's not physically possible in this universe. Not a human, but you could be of another species somewhere else, right? Correct. That that doesn't argue against the alpha constant. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Okay. So the other thing is many people have experiences of being inside crystalline structures that are colorful. And these crystalline structures that are colorful have no angles that seem to be correct Hmm. or 90 degrees, 180 degrees, they're not square. So they assume it's another planet. So they assume it's another planet, another place. And it is another place. It's an interesting uh, discussion that Isabella had. She says, the structure as you comprehend it because you're human is a 12-sided structure called a dodecahedron it is one of the theories that the shape of the universe might even be a dodecahedron but dodecahedrons stack just like square blocks do except they have 12 sides that are five-sided structures so they don't appear to that they would stack but they can stack so that Every side is connected to every side. Wow. There's no empty space. Mm. That's the concept that you need to have when you think of the universal location of everybody. And you're in this 12-sided thing. And light is everywhere because light and God and love are all together. But every angle is different from your viewpoint. And so the reflections look like all colors of the rainbow in all directions. And you look like you're in a crystal castle. Wow. Okay, so that's the experience. And so people can have alien abduction type experiences that look crystalline, different. The beings they see, they can't experience correctly. They look like they don't have eyes. They're tr- And that... Those kind of experiences are all experiences that people have during near-death experiences, during the past life review. It is a non-physical experience. It is an experience where you might call it an astral travel experience. It's an experience where you connect with the divine heavenly realm. Those connections become telepathic, and you can only explain them by what you experience on this earth because you can't explain it right in the, of the right. heavenly realm or the unexceeding realm or whatever you want to call it right well they say that the colors there there's colors that we don't have words for right correct yes. those are our angels yes those are the experiences that you have and, and this is another interesting thing that isabella said she says she she wants you to consider 
one of the reasons for experience on earth in a material physical plane is that this is where you actually experience both pleasure and and discomfort you experience and see with all you know you use all five senses so communication is really how we share what we have absorbed with our five senses if you go to a place where there is only telepathic communication you have to have experience before then to share thought does that make sense mm -hmm. So, and we're otherwise, moving into a dimension, dimension where that's the way it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Correct. Right. If we're moving to the dimension where telecommunication is the only way, then experience that you've had before is now what you could share there right. through the telecommunication. So I have a memory of the blue sky. Well, the blue over there is different because I have a memory of a blue sky and everybody has a memory of a blue sky. Right. So we can communicate that now. This, I mean, gosh, we could talk about this all day long. <clears throat> um, you know, and I just wanted to touch upon real quick because we have to finish um, the actual ruby. So there was a ruby that started in what year? Wait, Eight hundred and ninety-four. I believe it's eight hundred ninety-four. Eight hundred ninety-four BC. Wait a minute. AD. AD. A okay. AD. It's AD. Okay. It's, it's late 890s. Okay. And Carla, you have actually had that in your hand? Parts yes. of it. Two yes. pieces. So they broke it up? Yes. Yes. So that that's that's a very interesting story in the back. It was it's a little vignette aside from the rest yeah, of the story. Dictated by Isabella, it runs through the course of this Ruby's existence. Uh, and the most important statement in there is that, you know, the Ruby had 34 different incarnations and so has Carla. AD 904. Right. Yeah. Oh, it says the Viking, okay, God creates rubies at 45 million years ago. And then 8896, yes. Vikings invade yep. Scotland, Scotland. And then 904, yep. the crystal. Amos actually finds it, yes. Yes. And there were things that we didn't know that we actually looked up because we didn't know there were even rubies in Scotland, Scotland. but there are. And there are rubies in Scotland and they're embedded in marble. And you know, we had to do the research to see if this story matched anything that was reality. But if the story follows this ruby through 34 different lives, because a ruby is prayer and you know is is rare and precious, and the conditions have to be exactly right for a ruby to exist. And and Isabella says, in reality, every soul is the same way. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Carlos, mm -hmm. it mirrors Carlos' soul until we found parts of the ruby. And we know where another part of the ruby is. And Carla now has a a copy of the ruby ring that she wears at times. Are you still downloading information? Are you still getting information? Every day. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Okay. So, my listeners, this is the book we're talking about, The Gift of Past Lives. There's the ruby. And you want to read this story it's a mind it, it's it's going to blow your mind i mean the connections that are made here are it, incredible doesn't even speak to it. it it's just mind blowing um but it really does explain you know how um how our souls come back so many times and do so many things. And it's it's just phenomenal. I, it's hard to put in words, but the book will explain all of this. There's so much more here that we can't even begin to get to, but you get the gist. And um, so what are you currently doing with this information? Are you, are you teaching? Are you writing? What are you currently doing? 
Okay. <laughs> right now, Dave is trying not to have back pain. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's okay. Uh, we were writing. We do have another book completed. It's kind of a meditation book. Um, and we we yep. got puppies um, a little more than a year ago. And, they, and they're finally getting to the point where we can be away from them a little bit to have a few oh, moments so that we can finish editing that book. And we are working on another book that is called The First 4,000 Years. Yep. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll definitely have Michelle contact me and we'll we'll talk again. I'm okay. sure there's going to be so much more to talk about. Okay. And so we, do, uh, we still do some small conference things. And um, when my back wasn't hurting, we go to a yoga studio and she wants us to come in and do a program and, and, and those kind of things. And um, do you have a website? The gift of past lives.com. Okay. And there awesome. are connections to, there are links to Amazon or you can find our books on Amazon or links in that website. You can see some other podcasts that we have on the website. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we had such a hard time getting together, but I this is something I was determined to do. So um, thank you very much for understanding all the changes that we had to go through uh, with you know dates and things like that. But we did it. Um, I'm so happy to have met you, and thank you for sharing your incredible story. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy. It was a pleasure. Have a great day. Take care. You too. You too. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.